0: Good afternoon ladies and gentlemen. And welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. It's your host Chris Shembra. And if you're just listening to this via audio, I want to welcome you to quite a unique episode. You if you are a returning audience, you are used to just probably seeing or hearing from me and a guest. But today, we've got me and two legends. We've got my dear friend, our advisor, our partner, Lori Cornmesser, and we have her dear friend, Deborah Rue. And today, we're going to be talking about some pretty meaningful topics around diversity, inclusion, and disability. Now, this came to be Because of a new, wonderful partnership we at 747 have with our dear friend, Lori. And I'm going to give a kind of a technical-ish bio of our guest today. And then I'm going to turn it over to Lori for just a quick minute to say why she reached out to Deborah, And then we're going to carry on. If you're just joining us for the podcast for the very first time, welcome. This is an entire conversation around gratitude, belonging, inclusion. If you look through the podcast episode archives, you'll see we bring on great leaders to share the stories of the people who helped them get to where they are today and the mission, vision, values that they stand for and the impact they have in the world. If you haven't clicked that subscribe button, Go ahead and do that right now. We're going to remind you later, don't worry, but we're so excited to have you along for this journey. Today, we have Deborah Rue, and we met on my birthday, August 31st. And if you're just listening to this via audio, you're in for a treat. I'm looking at a wonderfully beautiful lady who's got pink hair, purple hair, gray hair, the coolest glasses, the greatest personality you could ever imagine. But you know what? She has had quite the impact. She has devoted her entire career to the global dis- disability inclusion space, has created great public policy in 104 different countries, advised the world's biggest companies, and has built a multi-million dollar company helping people do good within the workplace. Her full technical bio and everything she's done will be in the show notes below, and you'll be more than impressed. But today we're really going to focus in on her newest venture, which is called Billion Strong, which is all about giving access through a platform and an app to those 1.3 billion people across the world with disabilities and their allies and advocates that support them as well. We're gonna get into that story in a little bit. But Lori, we met Deborah through you.
1: What made you reach out to her? So listen, and you know, in this space of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion, there's still a lot to be learned. Um, and Deborah has, I followed her work and certainly the impact that she has, but she has a voice and that voice comes from head and heart. We were just talking about that. And that's the kind of leaders that we want to learn from. The leaders that are saying this is the right thing to do because we're human, but it's also the right thing to do because we're a business and we owe that to people. And so Debra has, has had a strong voice in this area and I'm just thrilled that she's on with us today
0: it's it's going to be amazing and and Laurie, you you being able to reach out and Deborah for you to believe in Lori's mission and, and message okay. and vision for this I thank you both Now we're going to talk about disability inclusion in just a little bit but we have to start off with gratitude as we start off every podcast for those of you who are listening for the first time uh, you'll kind of, You'll learn we're kind of mildly obsessed with the word gratitude. It came to us back in July of 2015 in one of the darkest hours of my life lonely, unfulfilled, disconnected, insecure. We found that connecting people through gratitude would create some meaning, purpose, and connection and belonging. And after producing a bunch of experiences, we started a podcast. And at the start of every podcast, we asked the same question. So, Deborah, we have to kick off with a simple prompt if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to that you've never thought to thank <laughs> and i know you're a grateful person and i know there are many powerful people in your life that you give credit to and every story you share which got you into this space but who's one person you've never thought to thank
2: Gosh, that is such a great question because I'm not sure if there's one person. And the reason why is because I really do believe in gratitude. I really do. And I've practiced it my whole life. I I mean, I had to learn. I had to walk hard times too. But I, I would say my mother, but I did remember to tell her I was grateful. It took me a while. And it was actually when my mom was transitioning, my mom has passed away. But, you know, another thing I never thought of, I thought of, you know, um, teachers, Uh, teachers, I I thought, the ones that we remember are the ones that were great teachers, and they believed in us, and they empowered us. But what I started to understand, too, as I lived my life, is some of our, my greatest teachers are the ones that actually harassed me and didn't believe in me and underrested and mated me. And my mom, she had borderline personality disorder, which is a tough, tough thing for her and for people loving her around her. And she just always looked at the world as a very sad, scary, fearful place, which, Right now, it sort of looks that way these days, you know, but at the same time, there is a lot of beauty in the world. I mean, what you're doing, Chris, what Lori's doing, making sure that you're telling your stories, but others as well. There's a lot of light and love in the world. But I would say my mother was the one that I didn't realize I should thank because she taught me because she was so sad all the time. I learned to look for the silver linings. I I think I became the optimistic person I am because I saw how sad her, her, her life was. But she actually had a lot of things to be really grateful for, but she just struggled with it. So it's not exactly answering your question, but she probably, I realized I learned some of the most important lessons from her. And also as she transitioned as well, I was with her. During the transition and if you've ever and I just like the word transition better than death, because that Mm. sounds so final and I don't believe it I believe we're spiritual beings having a human experience but I learned so much and it was such a scary experience but I learned a lot, and I'm even grateful for that so.
0: (laughs) Wow, so you're saying you didn't answer the question the way I wanted it asked (laughs) I mean come on what could you how could you get better than that. (laughs)
2: I remembered to thank her though. You said for the, somebody you should, and you know what? I have to really think to about that too. That'll be a good thing to ponder when I go to sleep tonight. Have is there somebody I should have be thinking? Cause there's always people like, once again, I appreciate Lori reaching out to me and learning about her work. And then I had so much fun talking to you on your birthday, Chris. And, <laughs> and I get energized by talking to people that care about this beautiful Mm -hmm. planet we're on, and that we can all protect each other and help each other. And I've been accused of being a Pollyanna. And oh, you always look on the bright side. Well, there, you can look at every single thing that comes at you negatively or positively or in Mm -hmm. between
0: life. It it sounds like, you know, that life isn't about avoiding adversity or hard things. It's about controlling your perspective and reaction to those tough times. Is that true? Well,
1: well said. Yeah, I would agree. You know, Deborah, you know, one of the things I always ask is sort of how did you get your voice in this area? Like what, what was sort of the genesis of this for you?
2: Well, and that's a great question because when, um, and I think I mentioned this to Chris, but I, I'm one of those women that I always wanted to be a mother. I, you know, feel sorry for the guys. It's like, I want to be a mother. I want to be a mother. I just, it was something You know that I wanted to do, and so I got you know got married somebody I loved, not just have children, and um, and we started trying. And about five years later, I learned I was pregnant. Woohoo! And um, gave birth to a beautiful, perfect baby girl. Um, It was interesting though, as I was giving birth, right after I'd given birth, and this little hard doing that um and you're in pain this weird thought floated through my head and um lots of weird thoughts float through your head but it's like she looks like a little baby with down syndrome and i remember thinking what uh, what is a baby with down syndrome look i don't know that i've ever seen a baby with down syndrome so i ignored it and went on and 4 months later um the doctors diagnosed my daughter with down syndrome so and then we were just stunned and mortified but we um I just knew that that I just assumed that when she was born that I there was something I needed to do with my life because I had a child with down syndrome. I didn't necessarily know what it was, but I just knew that I always wanted to make a difference in the world. So um, fast forward to when she was in middle school, 13 years later, um, I started really looking around at what they were saying about once again, she could add no value to the employment and she could add no value to society. And I just didn't understand why. And so I just kept taking And I had a lot of people tell me, we don't need you in the field. We don't need you in the field. I was in the banking industry and executive level. And I thought, well, what do you mean you don't need me in the field? Isn't there 76% of people with severe disabilities not employed? And if they are employed, they're underemployed. I think you need others in the field. So that's that that's how the journey came to just getting out there and talking and saying please stop you know just saying that my daughter doesn't add value um please stop for example um Steve Hawkins who is still alive very famous atheist um he was you know very proud to am I sometimes I get his name wrong that's right he's BBC and um very proud to be an atheist. He put signs on a bus in London that said, God is, God doesn't exist. Get over it just to mm. everybody out. But he, one day on Twitter, and I'm very active on social media he, on Twitter, he said, a woman said, well, what do I do if I have a fetus with down syndrome? And he said, quote, abort it and try again. Okay. I actually had a problem with that comment. And so I reached out to him and I sent a picture of my beautiful daughter in a dress. And I said, a pretty blue dress. And I said, my daughter won't, might not be a talking head on BBC. She might not be a professor at Oxford and a famous author, but my daughter has added a lot of value in the world. And so she is as valuable as you are. And BBC picked it up as their tweet of the week saying he's picking a fight with the down syndrome community. It is interesting to note, and I'm maybe I sound a little bratty here, but he did have a stroke and he is now a person with disabilities. Oh yeah, because we're human.
0: We're Mm, humans. mm.
2: Just saying.
0: By the way, for all the listeners, (laughs) you you need to you need to go onto Twitter. And join the axcs hash, uh, hashtag axcsc chat. No, I know. We'll put in the show notes below. <laughs> um, it's the, you started one of the world's largest tweet chats with over 12 billion impressions and tweets.
1: Yeah.
0: So this whole you know people talking about disabilities online kind of thing kind of stems from Deborah. <laughs> Deborah, I, I want to ask you an interesting question. You know, growing up, you said that the teachers harassed you and that your mother was, you know, sad, um, you know, around you and it took you a long time to reach out to thank her. What was your mother's response when you told her that your newborn child had Trisomy 21?
2: Um, well, my mother asked me if I took drugs when I was pregnant. Uh, yeah. And by the way, we don't know why Babies are born with trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. We as a society, we don't know. We know there's excess protein, but we just don't know why it happens. But it doesn't happen by taking drugs. If you take drugs, certain kind of drugs, you can, your baby can have low birth weight. If you drink alcohol, there are problems with taking drugs during pregnancies, but I didn't even take aspirin or Tylenol during my pregnancy. I was so, you know, you know, I was just, I was so careful. Um, but my mother asked me if I took drugs. So it really, really hurt. <laughs> very bad when she said that, because it was hard enough to accept that my baby, they were saying that she had Down syndrome. I don't know what they were talking about, but, you know, so I was sort of in denial anyway, but she asked me if I took drugs. So, yeah.
0: So do you think that there was a moment there that led you to realize there might be misconceptions around disabilities out there in the world and that maybe other people might have similar family member reactions to that, that yeah. fuel your,
2: yes. your journey. Yes. Well, that's very astute and very well said, Chris, because, you know, I, this was my first child and I, I wound up having another child. Uh, Sarah has a brother, um, they but Sarah's 34, he's thir- about to be 33 in a week.
1: And, mm.
2: um, he, he, you know, I, I had a perfect baby girl and I wanted people to say, congratulations on your baby. She's precious. She's perfect. Instead, people were saying, oh, we're so sorry. And it was like this tragedy and Mm -hmm. that hurt too. And I actually am glad that I didn't find out that she had Down syndrome at birth, which is normally when you find out, or maybe before they're born, you know, if you do, you know, testing. But um, because when you're just giving birth, you got a lot going on with that body and all kinds of things going on with your head and stuff. At four months old, I already knew this this baby. And I thought she was delightful and amazing. And it hurt me that society looked at her and decided, she was very broken. So I'm so sorry for you. Your life will be so hard. The doctor even said when he told me, well, at least she doesn't have ADHD because they're much harder to raise. And what's funny is I have ADHD.
0: <laughs> so it's like, oh, gross. as do I.
2: <laughs> so you were probably hard to raise,
0: Chris. I Whoa. was, I was <laughs> so hard to raise that they put me on cow tranquilizers Ritalin, uh, at the age of five
2: Aww.
0: until the age of 20.
2: That's sad.
0: And I I physically don't remember 15 years of my life
2: because you were broken, you were broken, broken. And they were trying to fix you. And or I'm sorry, they just wanted you to sit still. But what would have happened if we used that energy in a different way and we appreciated it? Mm-hmm. Because well, 65% of business owners, entrepreneurs have ADHD. Yeah. 65 or dyslexia. We're diverse people.
1: (laughs) And we don't even know it, right? That's the best part. So Deborah, I I just want to transition just slightly and just say, for the dni leaders that are listening for the leaders that are listening like is this when you know people are starting to redefine diversity equity and inclusion are they thinking about disabilities are they missing something kind of in their plan what would you say to them well i i would say it has shifted positively but Even a
2: few years ago, I was speaking at a SHRM conference, Society of Human Resource Management. I know everybody knows what that is. And um, there was diversity and inclusion class. There was a session going on and they were saying, name all the different parts of diversity and inclusion. And so I just patiently, or maybe not so patiently, waited to see how long it was going to take for the 1.3 billion people with disabilities to be included. I just thought I'd wait. They they took about 18 things and everybody stopped. And finally, I raised my hand and said, uh, disabilities. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we feel, and it is true, it is often forgotten or an afterthought. Now, we're seeing some things, like you said, Lori, as people are really rethinking identity and our lived experiences maybe being more valuable than we have realized in the past, especially to our, our workforce. Because the more different experiences we have, the more we can think about problems in different ways. There's real value to the employers. Um, And to the bottom line, as you said, Chris, the ROI of it, you know. And so um, I, I hope it's changing. I hope more people understand disabilities is part of it. But I probably am being a little naive still, Lori. I would I would be curious, Lori, from your perspective, are you hearing other DNI making sure that we are also talking about disabilities?
1: I think I think this is an interesting time because you're right. It is shifting and it's a and it's a small window of influence. So I would say, yes, I think people are really starting to think about the entirety of the human experience. Now, here's what they don't know, Deborah, which is probably what they want to hear. Like, okay, so where do I start with this? Like, how, what do I do? Do I have to create a program? Do I outreach? Where do I go? So what would you say to them there? Well,
2: if you don't have disability as part of your DNI, then you definitely are not doing a good job of making sure everybody's included. Mm -hmm. But I would say where you start is you start, I always say to um, the large brands we work with, um, corporations, they don't do anything today they create a plan they figure out the plan they work the plan i mean especially if it's important to, it's just the way they do things and so you do want to come up with a plan and my last book was inclusion branding and it was written in 2018 that seems so long ago now but <laughs> but I, in there i tell I tell uh, brands exactly what they need to do to make sure that people with disabilities are included. But I would say a real easy way to do it, Lori, I would hope as a brand, especially if you're a big corporation that you have ERG groups or employee resource groups. And a lot of times we will have gender groups, women, or we'll have LGBT, or maybe you have African-American groups. If you're in the States, go to those groups and find out who in those groups identify with disabilities. You probably already have access to a lot of people that could help you right on your own team because the reality, disabilities is a big definition and a lot of people don't even know they're part of it. If you have diabetes, have a cancer, epilepsy, we always think of disabilities usually of like someone like my daughter with Down syndrome or somebody's blind or somebody's using a wheelchair or maybe somebody's deaf. But if you look at the definition of disabilities, it includes mental health. So Mm -hmm. anyone that has uh, anxiety disorders, bipolar, epilepsy, I mean, it's just it's ridiculously big, which is great, but it also causes problems because it is so big. Often, employers are only going to talk about it from the the easy perspective. So somebody like us, Chris, that are ADHD, that are neurodiverse, we actually are part of the definition, but we, uh, we want you to think bigger than that. We want you to think about the people that are being excluded from society, from education, from employment um because they have physical disabilities. So it's a, it's a very big broad term, but there's a lot of ways that people can get included, but a lot of times you have people right on your own team that can support it and then you can join groups like the Valuable 500 mm. which is a group that was created with the World Economic Forum and 500 CEOs from all over the world got together and said, we are going to commit to including people with disabilities all the way up at the very top. This is part of our diversity and inclusion efforts. But I am going to say one comment that's probably cheeky, but it's true corporations do not spend enough money on dni they do not give the people that are running their dni they do not they're not high enough in the organization they don't get to get budgets they don't have teams so a lot of us in dni and often dni are the first ones that are going to get hit during a bad economy so i really i and most of society are demanding you corporations get it together because We definitely are seeing younger people caring about these topics, and they will not work for you if you're sexually harassing the women there. They're not going to work with you if you don't promote the brown and black people. They so your employees want you to stand for something, and if you don't, we will leave you, which is happening right now, which we talked about right before we got on air.
0: The great migration, love it. The great resignation. Yeah. Now, now, Deborah, the the great work you've done helping corporations build. Brand, helping build brands, build out programs, helping you know retain that talent, attract new talent, build out these things. You realized along the way that just having a DEI program is not the same as building a community of diverse people. Right. And so you started a marketplace to be able to connect resources, technologies, allies. How important is community? And, and Lori and I, we go around producing experiences to help connect diverse people. You know, we believe in our vision that DEI is not just watching a video and checking a box and having a program. It's actually connecting people so that you can hear each other's stories. So yes. tell me about the importance of community through this marketplace, through the Twitter chats. I mean, all these kind of things and how that's the next frontier for advocating with, for people with disabilities.
2: Yes. And I want you two to come on my show because I also have a show called Human Potential at Work. Mm-hmm. Only because I think the word gratitude is a word that we should use every moment of the day. The one thing that we can do is be grateful. I, I just think you want it trying to stay sane during these really intense times. find something to be grateful about. So mm-hmm. I want you to come on my show too, but The community is so essential. And you know, it's interesting, Chris, I thought I knew a lot about, you know, DEI and disabilities, and I do. But what I've learned during this pandemic, and what I've learned during the Trump years where we were killing black people in our streets, it was horrible for us all to watch. Oh my gosh! I can't breathe. Like, and, and but I was mortified as a, a white woman, um, and, and I started wondering, and I started realizing there was a lot I did not know about the African American culture. There was just a lot of things I didn't understand, and there's so much that I've learned during the this pandemic. And I'll give you another example. We have some beautiful supporters um, that are part of the lgbt community lgbtqia plus um, and a very beautiful community a very uh, diverse community themselves but um at the same time many many people that are part of the lgbt community have mental health issues and mm. the reason why is because society tells them stupid stuff like, you're an abomination. Oh, you're damned. You're... Oh my gosh, you can get killed, especially if you're a man mm-hmm. in some countries and you're a homosexual. Well, you should, you should not even be alive. We're going to kill you. So... a lot of some leaders that are really stepping up to help me are realizing we are sort of sharing community here. Mm -hmm. Because how can you have these conversations about including people with disabilities without talking about it from the women's lens, from black and brown lens, from the LGBT lens? And so I think the opportunity for us to come together as communities and really support each other really, really care about, Chris, I want to care about you being successful and Lori, you being successful and really care about you, really care about it. I think that if you don't like the way the world works right now, and I don't, I don't, what are you doing about it to make it better? And I think that's, that's why I love this. I was so excited to be on this program and I get, I'm really blessed to get invited to be on programs all the time, but I thought, when lori reached out to me and i saw you all were talking about gratitude i was like wow i got so excited i was sending it to my team i was like yay just because this is how we change the world you don't like it what do we want to do to make it better that's
1: right so
0: so from a from a, a gratitude standpoint um you know how does gratitude fit so what we're going out and doing is working with companies to produce these three-part series on belonging. The first part is about finding things that we have in common. The second part is about giving gratitude to our diverse experiences so that we can then come back together and create unity. Can you share, because Lori, can you share the awakening that Cedric had with gratitude and with me and how Um, One of the solutions that we envision is to help people acknowledge what makes us different and then give gratitude to those differences to build a baseline of empathy.
1: Yeah, this is, and you know, thank you, Chris. Is it's my husband Cedric had an epiphany. So, Chris did these, has done these gratitude sessions, and I was so impressed with it, Deborah, that I actually did one for my family. And oh. my family is a multicultural family. Um, but I did this for my family when we were going through racial at the height of racial injustice. Right, we're seeing, as you said, George Floyd. And we're on the television crying and then having to turn around and talk about growth strategies on the TV. And so I needed my family to realize that um, we needed to be looking at this differently. It doesn't mean put down your weapons. It doesn't mean that you're not validated in what you do. And my husband is ex-military, right? Uh, My father was military. My husband is ex-military. And so for him, it was a very scary time to be a black man in this country. He didn't want to run. He didn't want to go to the coffee store. We were always nervous about where he was and what he was doing. And um, he came on the gratitude session because I asked him, but wasn't really thrilled. He's not a big Kumbaya kind of person, right? <laughs> I mean, he, he was, he's fought for this country. And uh he came on, and I kept telling him how amazing Chris was and the breakthroughs that he was having with people. That even in this moment where we feel so defeated, that we are we are still very um, in a moment of gratitude and have a lot to remember and respect. And we have a personal responsibility to go do something about it. Let's not be victims. Let's figure out how we peacefully do that. So we had our family session. And, uh, you know, Chris went through the three part pieces, family loved it. Everybody came on and felt better than when they came on. And my husband, Cedric said, can I have Chris's number? So I text Chris. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know what that was about. And, uh, they had a moment where Cedric realized that he was taught to fight and defend. And that's the only thing he knew how to do. And, Chris kind of worked with him one-on-one and they had this realization that you're not the only one that's gone through this. There are other societies, other people that have gone through it. And even longer, people are looking at it differently, but we have a lot more in common and we have a lot to pay as it respects to gratitude. And it was a moment where he was able to put his weapons down and think and view from a different lens. And I tell you, it changed His world, because every day he was obsessed with the television, obsessed with what was going on to the point that he had trouble. And he would tell you to function in the day. Right. Because it was so overwhelming. And so anyway, that uh, was a long way to answer that. But that's the story behind that. But
0: it's gratitude to help de-stress some pretty, you know, thrown away populations how, how will you best incorporate kind of the principles of gratitude into building this community around billion? Well, first of all, for our listeners, can you share what made you go from God running a 12 billion impression tweet chat, mm-hmm. building public policy in 104 countries, advising the world's biggest companies on disability, diversity, inclusion programs to now building this outside of root global impact? now building 12 billion strong and meeting Lamond and uh, meeting your team in the Philippines. And, you know, tell us about that and then how you incorporate gratitude into that.
2: Well, thank you, and and what a beautiful story, Lori. Too, I, I'll tell you just one quick little story about. Um, I I met this lovely woman when I was speaking, um, who was African American, and she had two sons around my my children's age at the time. And when my son was sixteen, oh, I hated that learning to drive stuff. It terrified me. But anyway, so we you know we really I made him drive till he was sick of it. Um, to protect him, and then I told him stuff like, "Yeah, no police officer has ever stopped somebody in a car, and those drugs don't belong to you. They're oh, I don't know where they came from. Yeah, don't they? They're not going to buy it." Uh, but then I was talking to her, and she explained to me what she had to do as an African American woman with two boys that were African American and her husband. What they did was they bought a wallet that folds out. And you can have two picture IDs in it. And they put the driver's license in it and they put a college ID in it. So if they got stopped, hopefully the police officer would think mm. they were some of the good ones, not the bad ones. Mm. And every time they leave, they're terrified. And I just for a long time did not understand that my fellow Americans were walking that. And, you know, I just didn't understand how bad it was. I just wanted to say that. No, so I
1: appreciate that, too. Well, Thank you. Yeah
2: it's, it's yeah because i worried about my son being stupid you know and you know driving and drinking and you know but i didn't worry about him it, it's just yeah it, it's i just wanted extra, to comment
1: it's an extra layer right it's, it's an, an extra, extra
2: layer, layer that i would i had no that's right i had no idea and i have always been empathetic uh, you know but anyway i just want to make that comment but i um the reason why I'm so excited about Billion Strong and thank you all so much for letting me talk about it. It's billion-strong.org. But what happened was, I am so blessed to have gotten to work with, uh, and I still do at Root Global Impact, we're a for-profit social enterprise. So blessed to work with these gigantic billion-dollar, trillion-dollar brands in some cases and help them and stuff. But more and more, we saw expertise. Coming into our field, really, really amazing people that could go to these corporations and help them be successful. You know, you have DI or DE and I strategies, and you have experts in different fields. And so there was getting to be some real talent in the marketplace. But at the same time, I was so worried because it's great that we got 500 major corporations to say they're going to include us, but where are we? Where are we? So the Wells uh, Fargo CEO during the midst of all that drama at one point made a comment that really got him in trouble when he said the reason why they were not promoting brown and black people was because they couldn't find the talent. That is, and I will not cuss on your show, BS. But unfortunately, that is the truth when it comes to the disability community, because we, if we can, you know, not come out, we're not going to. I have lived experiences as ADHD and anxiety. I have lived experiences as a mother of a daughter with Down syndrome. I have lived experiences. Sadly, my husband has aged into dementia due to a childhood traumatic brain injury, and now he's got epilepsy and Parkinson. Wow. but. Doesn't life do that to you sometimes? I'm 62 years old and, you know, with it comes some fun. But I think that what we really um, are starting to understand as society is how we can really come together, but we have to be willing to talk about our lived experiences. And so I was worried about the supply and demand because now we're building great demand with employers. DNI is figuring it out. But where are we? Where are where is the community of people with disabilities around the world? Because I always nag these corporations saying, don't tell me you're global and you're only hiring people with disabilities in the States or the UK. Why aren't you doing your entire geo footprint? It's going to make me think maybe because you're afraid you're going to get sued. So you're doing in the States, maybe you can get in trouble in the UK, but you don't do it anywhere else. But once again, where are we? So bringing our community together to me, what what my idea was to make sure that society understands the value that we all bring to the table and who we are, and that you're actually part of our community, and let's do it with pride. But you mentioned Dr. Lamontre Pugh, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to tell y'all a story about that. But he is a, the CEO of Billion Strong, and he is an African-American man. He grew up in the south, southern east part of the United States, which is traditionally more racist I also grew up in that area. He also is a man who was born with muscular dystrophy and he is a, uses a power wheelchair. He needs caregivers, but he is so talented. Mm-hmm. He is so talented. And so I made him the CEO because representation matters, identity matters. But at the same time, I want to tell you, I want to confess a little um, boo-boo that I made. So what I was going to do, I was going to be the CEO because I have experience as CEO and I know where we're building. And so I was going to do it. And then I had one of the leaders that I, cause we have now 76 countries that have joined us, mm. which is so exciting. And I had one of those countries that a man named Yuval in Israel, who actually was also in the military. I'm also a military brat, brat, Lori, lots of military service in our family, but he, um, he, he was in a helicopter that crashed um, when he was in the Israeli um, uh, military and he's a quadriplegic, which means I um, can't use my upper or lower trunk. He can't use his arms and legs that well, uh, depending on the injury. And he said to me, oh, good. A, a white woman is going to be creating a disability organization. Woohoo! And I was like, oh, come on. Have I not done enough work? But I really thought about it and I thought he's right. I have to tell y'all. You probably can figure out I have ADHD, but I have to tell you disabilities on the table, right? When LaMondre comes in the room, there's no doubt disabilities on the table. But another thing that LaMondre did that I had not thought about was that LaMondre agrees we need to change society's mind about what it means to be human. But at the same time, we need to change the human's minds because people with disability have been told their whole lives they are inferior. And then you take it outside developed countries and you start going into other countries. You know, you killed somebody in another life. It's karma. Your family did something. It's ridiculous. And all those human beings are taking that in. So not only do we need to convince society, this is ridiculous. We need to convince ourselves. Now, how do you do that, Chris? Got to do a gratitude. You gotta do it with gratitude. You gotta do it by helping each other. So that's why that's why I believe billion strong.org. And the reason why it's billion strong is because billion strong is available, but they want so much money for it. So <laughs> I'll go and get it at some point. But right now it's billion strongorg You know how the
1: great and, story Deborah. and
0: so the the DEI leaders who are listening to this, what's one call to action that you'd like them to take? to join billion strong and, and and join this disability diversity movement
2: Well, and thank you. I'm so bad about asking for myself. So, Chris, that's (laughs) But please, please, everyone, please join the free movement. Uh, And and all we'll do, it's free. And so it's www.billion-strong.org. Join us. And you can join us as global advisors. We have about 40 uh, multinational corporations helping us. We've applied for grants. We have a crowdfunding, but we really need everyone to join us, not just individuals with disabilities, not just individuals that love somebody with the disabilities, but we need all the intersections and we also, we need the women, we need the LGBT, brown and black, you know, Asian American, all of it. But we, we need the numbers because mm-hmm. right now, what happens is we are disenfranchised so bad as a community. And, and the other day, I was talking to some Americans, at, and I won't say which company, and they had disabilities. And they said, one of them said, Well, what is Billion Strong going to do to protect us if we get discriminated against, which we're getting discriminated against every day? And I said, If you're using the word protection from the lens of the United States, we know what protections mean as Americans. We know I'm gonna sue you. Um, and thank goodness we sue each other because that's how we make sure that we have safety belts, and that's why we, we have backup cameras so we don't run over our children. But at the same time, we you know, you've got to get in there and you've got to make sure that you are adding value. So, what the DNI professionals should do, they should make sure they have included, they have included disability. And as part of what they're doing, and there's a lot of places they can go. You can go to Root Global. Well, I'll give you any advice you want. You can go to the Valuable 500. I think it's the Valuable500.com. You can go to groups like National Organization on Disability, World Institute on Disability. There, You can do nothing but just go, go buy my book, Inclusion Branding. I tell you everything you need to do. And so, but you have to make it part of your program. And then you should also make sure you have an employee resource group, but you better do it right. Because if you do your ERGs wrong. You actually can run employees away.
0: Mm-hmm. And during
2: this, you know, great resignation, you might not want to make <laughs> your employees mad right now.
0: Oh, shit. <laughs> it, it sounds like disability diversity is one of the keys to retaining top talent, but you got to do it the right way. And so if you want to do it the right way, you go to billion-struggling or you check out Rue Global. Uh, Miss Laurie, any uh, final question or, or comment well, uh, as I we wrap think up? This is
1: uh, this has been wonderful, Deborah. I appreciate your energy, your your attention, your passion, and your commitment to this area. I learned a lot, um, and I think you know it's Maya. You know Maya Angelou says, you know, when you know better, you have to do better. Mm -hmm. And so I think the biggest thing we can do is just continue to educate ourselves around this area and do better. And we're committed to you. I know I am. I can feel that from Chris as well. So thank you again for being on with us today. And Chris, thank you for allowing me to be part of it.
0: Absolutely. Deborah, as we, as we close out, I want to go back to the first question we asked you. And I want to ask you this, if your mother or those teachers we're on the call with us right here, right now, today, what would you say to them?
2: Well, I'm grateful for everything they taught me, the right way to do things, the wrong way to do things, how they challenged me sometimes by telling me I wasn't good enough. And then it just made me mad. And I'm like, oh yeah. So um, <laughs> I appreciate my teachers, the ones that, the, the ones that have been the hard teachers, the ones that have been I think we should all it's so hard. Can we be grateful for the hard times? Yeah. twice so hard to be. Sometimes I don't want them though, most of the time. But can we be grateful for all of it? Because when do we learn our greatest lessons? Mm. Yeah. How much have we all grown during this pandemic? Yeah.
0: Thank you for that. What to all that? our listeners, I hope you heard what Deborah just said, which is to be to be grateful for the tough times. You know, science actually shows that. The grateful processing of those unpleasant memories is actually what rewires the brain. You know, broaden, broadens and builds your thought action repertoire needed for hope, pride, optimism, self confidence, self efficacy. If you're an organization that's listening to this, a founder or a CEO, as so many of you are, and you're saying, damn it, you know, I got diversity all wrong the first go around, and I had some people leave during this great resignation. Well, you just heard Deborah give gratitude to the good and the bad, the things she learned, what to do and what not to do. So we must give gratitude to those moments and know that you have possible solutions right at your fingertips. You reach out to billion-strong.org or Rue Global Impact for those types of solutions. Lori and I can promise that we are as committed as anybody could possibly be. To doing it the right way, we may not have all the answers, but what we're committed committed to is helping people feel included and in a sense of belonging in this crazy world that we live in. So, thanks for tuning in. Uh, all the links are in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this episode and you lead a great company, check out billion-strong.org. If disability diversity is not on the table, you're doing diversity. Wrong. That's what's on Deborah's website. It's what she stands behind. A lack of disability diversity programs is essentially the loss of seven percent GDP. If you're a king, queen or president listening to this podcast. Um, (laughs) But as a guy who grew up with ADHD, as a guy who went away to rehab for a long time, as a guy who is on the LGBTQIA spectrum, I say thank you for the work you've done. I encourage you all to go out and speak your truth. You have great allies. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I hope you all are having a phenomenal day on Earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore, and we'll see you next episode. Thanks for coming.